We've been preaching to you a series uh, beginning about the beginning of uh, the year, this year. And we've been building on it week over week. And so I want to take a little bit of time to um, bring that forward, what we've talked about. We're not going to re-preach the sermon, but uh, you're welcome to go back to uh, you know, the website, marysville3cu.org. Go to messages, and you can go back to these sermons in the first part of January to lay some of the foundation. So we're just going to recall some of those pieces for you. If I can get my tithe cooperate there. But we've talked about that, uh, talked about God out of Genesis, the Godhead being the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That they were together involved in creation. And they said at one point, let us create man, create mankind in our own image. And he created a male and female. That our God is relational by nature because in the diversity of the Godhead, there are different roles yet equal, acting in unity. But you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in contrast to gods like the God of the Quran which is singular in nature, not relational by nature. But the God of the Bible is relational and desires relations, relationship with us and desires us to have a relationship with others, which is brought out when we think about the admonition to love the Lord your God with all. And then it continues, then to love your neighbor as yourself, which is the heart of holiness or the holiness message. We talked about that male and female together are the image of God. But yet they're unique. We talked about that Scripture often speaks of the relationship between God and His people in marital terms. In the Old Testament, when the people of God are unfaithful, it speaks of adultery. In the New Testament, it talks about Jesus coming for his church, his bride. And being in the image of God as we understand our things, uh, ourselves, as the Bible reflects on who we are, it helps us to understand more the nature of the Godhead. We talked about some of the biological Aspects of the act of marriage, the sexual relations between uh, a husband and a wife, preferably. There's hormones that give it off, just like there's hormones when a mother gives birth that makes her instantly love that child, that that relationship causes a bonding biologically between the individuals. And then that, in reflecting on that, that as we we seek to meet the needs of the other in the marriage. They, in turn, biologically, are encouraged to be bound to us through hormones. So the biology even supports the benefits of seeking the good of others. And so we're going to look at some scripture now to prepare us for, build on that, and some of this will be a reminder, but as we build on this and we think about 
as we think about the Godhead and we think about us being in his image, and then we think uh, a man, male and female in his image, then we think about how that starts to apply to this concept of husbands and wife. We did also, I might have missed out on, on one of my points, is that the male is the husband and the father, and the female, the wife and the mother. We established that as well. So we're going to start with Philippians 2, 1 through 7. Philippians 2, 1 through 7. Now some of you, you'll notice it'll pop up on the board, and I'm hoping that you're turning in your Bibles um, with me, if you have them. If you have them electronically, that works as well. But in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, Therefore, if there is any consolation of Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Excuse me, one accord of one mind. Now, nothing, nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now we've covered this in our series on Philippians, and so we won't go too much deeper in it, but as you look through there, talks about the mind and our approach and considering others and thinking about others. We can see how that plays a role in marriage. But we're also calling out here, as we look through that part, it says, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That equality, even in the diversity of the Godhead, like we were talking about before. But then we lay out some of these concepts of the roles just a little bit more and to start to get us to think about things if we go to John chapter 14 verse 28 John chapter 14 verse 28 you have heard me say to you I am going away and coming back to you if you loved me you would rejoice because I said I am going to the father for my father is greater than I. Well, this gets a little bit confusing. They are one, they are equal, but the father is greater than I. We might not be able to comprehend that. We might not be able to understand that, but we can think about it. Some might start making, surmising exactly what that means, but uh, my father is greater than I. In what context is that? There seems to be, in the Godhead, there's equality, and there's unity, but the, God, the Father is greater than I. It's, it's a challenge to grasp hold of, maybe. But then we go back to John chapter 10, verse 30. John chapter 10, verse 30. It simply says, Jesus speaking, I and my Father are one. 
He just says the Father is greater than I. And then he also said, the, my, I and my Father are one. Ponderous. Ponderous. So then we think about this, and we think about this God talking to us in meritable terms, and then we have the nature of the Godhead between man and woman, and we've talked about some of that. So now we look at Ephesians 5, 29 to 33. Now at some point we might do the upper part of this chapter, but we may not be ready for it yet. Ephesians 5, 29 through 33. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. He's speaking to husbands. Let's back up to verse 28. Let's back up to 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, not just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and his flesh and his bones. For this reason, so he talks about the church, talks to the wife, to the husband, towards the wife. Then he says, verse 31, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We have established some of the truths that you will find in the previous scriptures. We've even covered, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We addressed that earlier as well. But then when the continuation is, verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This love here, it seems, is this preferential love, this wishing well for, to regard, the welfare of, choosing, even including, this denotes the love of reason. The husband selecting the wife, desiring the wife, looking forward to, having affection for. We talked about there's a bonding that takes place with that interaction, but that interaction is designed as we've Spoken, and again, you can find the sermon online at the website on the order of marriage, which it is leave, cleave, act of marriage. Leave husband and wife, leave father and mother. Cleave, that's the marriage ceremony where you oath and decide. And then the act of marriage, because in the act of marriage, that's when those hormones kicked in and you're, there's this bonding, you know, desire one for the other with the hormones. And you get that out of whack that you talk about the physical relationship, right? In a physical relationship, when someone gets sick or stressed or when the wife is pregnant or certain things happen, those hormones won't be there. 
It'll be based on your decision and your commitment of marriage. And you might find out if all that's driving you is the physical, that you intellectually are not on the same plane, spiritually not in the same place, because you got it out of order from the design. But, husband is to choose his wife. And when we take the marriage vows, of course, some people don't like the traditional marriage vows. In sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. It's a decision. But it says, husband, love your wife, choose your wife. That's kind of the beauty of the husband asking the wife, the future wife. He's choosing her. He hasn't been bow-breeding into, you better be asking me. He hasn't been trapped into the concept, I'm pregnant, so you, gotta have, you have to marry me. All the different manipulation games, he needs to choose her. It's a preference. And 1 Peter 3, 7, if we look over there, Remember, we talk about equality, we talk about the equal, we, talk about, we can talk about value and all those things. But it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Guys, we've got to try to understand them. It's a challenge for us, just like it's a challenge for them to understand us. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers may not be hindered, but she's the weaker vessel. She's physically weaker. She might be mentally strong, maybe emotionally strong. She might be smarter than you, but she's physically weaker. Today, we try to confuse these kinds of concepts and say things like, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. You know, that's kind of a lie. Because I never, could never be a center for the, some NBA basketball team. It's not going to happen. I'm too short. But I can be anything I want to be. I, no, I can't. It's a lie. Some people have natural abilities to sing, but they're tone deaf. They might, there might be others that are tone deaf. You can send them to all the lessons you want. They're not going to get it. But we say those kinds of things and then put pressure on people and we set them up for failure. No wonder little boys and girls might become confused. Girls, you can't be boys, and boys, you can't be girls. You might change your appearance all you want, but... They talk about follow the science. The science is your genetics don't match. I'm sorry. And ladies, you can't do everything physically a man can do. And I'm very confident that I can't deliver a baby. I might deliver a baby, but I can't give birth myself. It's not going to happen. My body's designed differently. We are different. But there's value in that. And we will expound on that a little bit more next week as we get in to some of the roles, because there are things that women naturally do better than men. But by the way, there are things that men naturally do better than women. But 
Men, choose. Choose. Ladies, you would do well when he asked, will you marry me? And maybe you've already made this mistake. You didn't choose well, and you've had to work through it. But some listening to my voice may not have chosen well, but you need to choose well. And think about this, because men work towards the extremes. When they move from boys to men, they have to be taught. Taught. And I don't want to get into it now, we'll get into it next week, but A boy needs a man who teaches how to be a man. A woman will naturally develop into a motherhood role where, how many times can you see it happens? It happens. But who do you think is more likely to abandon a child? The mom or the dad? The dad is. The mom develops into, the woman develops into having those characteristics things. A guy's got to be nurtured and crafted because he goes through two extremes. And I'm not just saying that I did a little bit of research. I used focused on the family and they used other articles and they do other articles. And, but see, this all goes with, and we'll talk again more next week, I guess I'm teasing it, but it all goes together to the role of, of, the, of the men. But... We tend to the extreme of either lethargy, we sit around and do nothing, and passivity, where we don't really care about anything, or aggressiveness and sexual opportunists. You've got your rapists and stuff, they either go that way, or they're lethargic and won't do anything. They have to be cultured. You have to be cultured. I'm getting to a point here, and you, you, I've got to lay this foundation, because in today's understanding of things, it's not always clear, just to remind you that, ladies, you can't physically overwhelming. I used to walk and be part of security in college. You've heard this before, maybe. But one of our jobs was trying to get the women from one place to the other. The issues were... Men would come on campus. We were close to a hospital, so they either hit, try to, try to attack the nurses or attack the coeds, the college girls. And I would be walking these girls. We would call in and say, "Okay, I'm escorting so and so from one place to the other." We call on the radios. It was clocked. All those things, and they're going from one place to the other. And, and you hear some of the girls saying, "Oh, I can run fast." I'm thinking. Oh, I walk with this other girl. And I'm thinking, they don't realize that a man can overpower two girls without a problem. That's not fair. I'm, I'm not talking about feelings and anything right now. I'm talking about the way it is. A man can physically overpower a woman. But you want him to choose you. So... When he chooses you and he opens up the door for you, let him do it because 
That means he is trying to look out for you. He is choosing to care for you. And in culture, it's like well, other in, when other men or boys are taught to do things or look out for things, and they're taught. I would somebody you might ask them, they'll say, "Well, I, I'm not, I'm not supposed to hit a woman." They've been taught not to. You want that kind of teaching? It needs to be part of that. Just think about this. Think about this, that uh, a woman says that uh, she, she didn't like what her, what her husband was doing as far as job, or didn't like he was doing this, or he was doing that, and she says, just get out of here. So I told him, I made him leave. You didn't make him leave, he chose to. Just think, um, he chose to leave. He physically did you couldn't make him leave. You want to choose well. But see, if he's not trained, and he's not taught to respect women, you want to choose well. Now, you could emasculate him and henpeck him. Yes, I said henpeck. That's the term the guys say when we look around and we see the guys that are henpecked. Oh, he looks henpecked. She's driven him down to the point that she's diverted him to the point that he doesn't feel good about himself, doesn't care. And she's run him down. So you can do that, you can manipulate him, devalue him personally. But you have to be careful, at some point he might say that he's had enough. Hopefully he doesn't rebound physically, depending on the kind of man you have. But you want a Christian man devoted to God that's under the, the control and leadership of the Holy Spirit because his nature is not that. It's just amazing the arrogance that some women have today and they get away with it because they've emasculated the men but they, they don't realize that the man's actually choosing to not be physical. I made him leave. It's the same person that she wanted to have kick out an intruder because she couldn't the week before, but now she wants him to leave on his own. And maybe he needs to leave. I'm not saying that. But if he chooses you, if he chooses you, he loves you, he looking out for you. And even when you're mean to him, even when you verbally abuse him, even when you disrespect him, and tell him to leave, he leaves because he's chosen you. In some respect. Or he's chosen not to hurt you, or something else. But just think about those things, because it's very interesting that the all-powerful God has given you a choice of whether you are to be in his life or not. He didn't have to give you that choice. But he chose you. Will you choose him? 
Because when you say leave, the almighty and powerful God, because he cares for you, and he's given you this choice, he wants you to choose him back. He doesn't force his way on you. We believe that you have a choice for heaven or hell. You have that choice. Someone said to me, I was listening to someone speak about uh, something else, and the concept come up. Guy was going on a radio show, and, and uh, this guy didn't like Christians. There's a Christian guy going on a radio show. He said, right, now, I don't want you quoting any Bible on here or anything like that. But he says, why, I've, I've been a good person. Why can't I go to, God should let me go to heaven. Because I've been a good person. Who is he to not let me into heaven? I've been a good person. And this individual responded. The Lord gave him an answer, he said. And he basically said, if you went to someone's house that you never knew and said, listen, you need to let me in because I'm going to live in your house now. And you didn't even know who they were. Why should that person let you in if they don't know you and you don't have a relationship with them? Why should God let you in his heaven if you don't want a relationship with him? You don't want a relationship with him. You don't want a relationship with him. That's your choice. But you see how these things kind of weave together. So while it says, love her, understand her as the weak vessel, I, don't want, I didn't want it to get too hung up on that because people might dissuade that, but it's true. But that doesn't mean the wife's of less value. It's a very interesting thing. You need him, and by the way, he needs you. He doesn't need you to run him down, but he needs your respect. He needs your respect because, as we read there, it says, love his own wife as himself. And other scriptures say, love her to the point you're willing to die for her. Women, you're not admonished to be willing to die for your husband, but your husband's admonished to be willing to die for you. But it says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He needs that respect. Now he might be trying to get some notice and strutting around the house trying to get that respect. But if you're not giving him respect, he needs the respect. He might go someplace else to try to find it. Or he might try to earn it some other way. So it's like, if he's not getting the respect at home, or if you're not respecting him at home, and if you're not respecting him in public, if you're running him down at home and you're running him down in public, you might find him trying to toot his own horn because he's trying to get respect from somebody because he's not getting it from you. He needs the respect. He will reciprocate 
But if he's got the respect, see? And this is my wife who's chosen me, and she has chosen to respect. This is my wife, I've chosen her, and she has chosen to respect me and show me respect, to build me up and to support me. And he, we're designed to have that need. So it's not running him down and displaying all of his shortcomings to the world, but honoring and showing that honor. And so we need those two aspects of it. It kind of reminds me of that story I think my dad used to tell me. He says, you ever notice the guy with the fancy hot rod Corvette? He comes up to the stoplight. You don't see him sitting there revving his engine. He doesn't have anything to prove. He already knows he can beat everybody on the street. A man that has respect from his wife doesn't necessarily have to go flaunting as much and telling everybody everything that he's done necessarily because he's getting the respect. He's getting that need supplied at home. You certainly don't want to have him looking for it someplace else. Now, men, you are to choose to love your wife and try to understand what she needs, what she is looking for, giving her those indications that she's special. That you chose her. That you're looking out for her. A woman likes that sense of security. The security includes her house, by the way, where she lives, her physical security. But if the house is down run and things aren't working, that can affect her sense of security that things are taken care of. She doesn't have to deal with that. You need to understand those needs. Look out for her. She might act like she doesn't need you, but she does. She does. And when she says that she needs that spider killed, that's in the bathroom, and you don't like spiders either, you've got to choose to overcome that fear and be the man, or whatever it might be. It's interesting that we're designed with this need for each other, because guys, you know, we, we can't take care of ourselves, really. We don't think about some things. We don't, other things we're pretty good. We think about things and we plan things out and, but we need help too, right? And thank you ladies for not amening. But the, uh, she wants you to make her feel special. And you might know, not know how to say things with words. That might not be your thing. But you can do little things, you know, the door, the, the gift, the simple note. It's not in the fancy. 
It's not in the fancy. Now, if the person you're dating or in the situation, I know some of you are already married here, but maybe you can pass this on or maybe you need to think about it. If her value in the gift, if she puts too much value in the gift you give her in on how much it costs you to pay for it, or how it compares to someone else, that's a, that's a warning flag. Because she's valuing you as a church daddy versus valuing you as a person. She wants what you can give her financially versus an interaction. But we have to be ready and willing to love her, to choose her to the point that we are willing to lay down our life for our wives. Now, before you choose someone, is there someone that you're willing to lay your life down for? If not, you're not choosing the right one. Ladies, before you say yes to a date, is this, let alone marriage, is this someone that you can respect? Is this someone you can trust? Because remember, he can physically overpower you. If you're going out with someone on a date for the first time, be smart. Be smart. Doesn't matter that he just looks cute. Yes, ladies get hung up on the just cute part too, don't they? Love her. Respect him. We've laid this foundation because if we look at the nature of the Godhead, it's about a love, a choice. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. The Father is greater than I, but yet we are one. These fundamental things we've lost track of. And they're in the scripture. And they talk to us. And because we've lost the understanding of male and female, husband and wife, it becomes more and more difficult, and we don't understand the Godhead, and more difficult to understand the roles of husband and wife. Then we don't have fathers and mothers raising children. And then we have men that have been raised by their mothers only and don't have fathers. And we'll talk about this more next week. The majority of the people, that men that are in prison, are in prison because big cause of it. They don't have fathers. For, for a society to be well, for men, for women and children to be safe and be protective, the men have to straighten up. We need to let the men be men. Teach the boys to be men. Not some combination of the two. In the church, we have to demonstrate this. 
We're allowing the society to push in on us and dictate to us about maleness and femaleness and husbands and wives and parenting. As those without Christ know better than the Word of God. So be reminded of your role, exemplify your role, but do it all under the auspices of God's Word and the teachings. And rejoice in what God has made you to be. Be obedient to Him and let Him fill you and guide you. Let's be standing together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we touch on things that might make us feel, or some feel uncomfortable, or challenged, or questioned, we pray that your speed, Holy Spirit would come and teach us. Some come from different backgrounds and different challenges and difficulties and affects how we look at things, but may we be reshaped, remolded to have the mind of Christ to understand your word and understand how you want us to be, how you want us to improve and help us to learn to be obedient, help us to have the understanding to pass that understanding on to others to act on it. Just guide and direct us, we pray. And you, may you bless this word as it goes out. In Jesus' name, amen.